Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them The championship run deep in our vein. The entertainment rolling real cause it's all in the game. Who else you know around the city doing it better than this? Just say look at this. You can look around who better than this. Nobody. Who your team, the Blazers, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, Clippers, Tigers, the Chickens. USC, Gamecock, Shamrock, know what it is, man. Triple left a new podcast. Just join the game plan. Come on, Bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast. It's me, your host, Zay, the Fantasy Football Fiend himself, and we got a treat for you today. I got my man with me, Bro Joe. Holler at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? All right, so I, I know most of you fiends out there watch the Super Bowl. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about the news that's going on right now, the scuttlebutt, if you will. The next 30 days are going to go by blazingly fast, and the reason for that is the NFL's league year officially starts about 32 days from today, March 16th. The official league year starts and a lot of transactions that are going to get money off the books have to go down between now and that time frame. So we're going to see a lot of movement. Then we're going to have free agency closely followed by your rookies being drafted to their prospective teams. And right after that is when we're going to have all of these dynasty uh, rookie and initial drafts. So don't think that just because the season's over that there won't be plenty of information to give and plenty of insights to take advantage of. We are most definitely the crew to make sure that you get what you need. Young Vander will be back with us next week. He had some things going on today that he had to take care of. Um, But let's go ahead and get this thing started. I guess we'll go ahead and get you started with your news. And now your fantasy news. Man, oh man, one of the best Super Bowls, in my humble opinion, that I have seen in recent years. Uh, one of the reasons it was the best is because I didn't have to almost have a heart attack sitting on the sideline watching. Because anytime my team is in it, it just don't quite feel the same as when you have no skin in the game. But man, this... Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams defeating the Cincinnati Bengals. It was up, it was down, it was high, it was low, and deep into the fourth quarter. You had no clue which direction the game was going to go, and that's exactly how we like those games. I enjoyed it, man. I kind of would have expected a little bit more from the Bengals, but we'll get a little bit uh, into that later. But like you said, it was a really palatable game. It really just came down to defense, and I like defensive games, man. I love them. And maybe that was the reason why I enjoyed it so much, because I don't have to have a 50 points each score in order for the game to have been good. I love defense. Um, that's the only positions I've ever played in football was defense. So I kind of have a better understanding of the idiosyncrasies that go into being a good defense more so than on the offensive side of the ball. So, But yeah, say one, one of the biggest issues that may have arisen out of this particular game is the injury for Odell Beckham Jr. It's feared that he tore his ACL again, the same um, ACL that was injured prior. It's looking like he may have torn it again. Now, I don't know how likely it is that he can go back to being anywhere near the same. We're talking about not just tearing an ACL twice, but all the other injuries on top of that as well. And he's not getting any younger. I mean, a whole nother offseason of, trying to recover from that injury. And then it happens so deep into the season that there's no way he's going to be ready to be back out there and be who we, we saw him to be towards the end of this year, in my humble opinion. Yeah, man, with somebody like OBJ, is just like you said, for all those reasons, man, it's, it's devastating because, you know, I was like we, we spoke about on the show. I was expecting a lot of good things coming next year. I thought he cashed himself into a big ticket how he's performed on the field. Like you said, he, you know, like, like we kind of spoke to out of, you know, outside the show, he has the, the genetics, but like you said, it's just these injuries, the foot, now two ACLs. It's like he's impeccable. His work ethic is non-questionable, man. Just watching him recover 
his montages he puts up for everybody to see what he his rigorous training. I don't think that's gonna be enough. I mean, you know, and I'm disappointed, man. That's my one of my favorite players. I'm glad he got his ring this year because he's gonna have some hard decisions to make going forward. Same for uh Aaron Donald. He didn't make a, a definitive decision on whether or not he's gonna retire. I'm glad he got his ring. Von Miller, definitely Matthew Stafford. I'm glad that he got his ring. I think people will begin to kind of look at him and respect him in in, in a different way now that he's been able to ascend to these heights. Um he he was able to show that it, it was never him. It was the team around him. And I and I honestly think that, that that's a lesson that a a lot of teams could learn from because how many people thought that Matthew Stafford wasn't of the upper echelon of QBs? Now he's a NFL champion, Super Bowl champion. So a lot of times it's the surroundings of certain players, not necessarily the players' capabilities or talent themselves. With that being said, you also had Cooper Cup as the MVP. This this may actually be the best season a wide receiver's ever had. Like I can't think of a wide receiver who was. Offensive player of the year, Super Bowl champ, and MVP, triple crown. I mean, th- there's only been Cup and Calvin Johnson that have been the triple crown guys. And obviously, Calvin Johnson never even won a playoff game there in Detroit. So I don't think that any wide receiver has ever had this type of a season before that I can recall. Yeah, man. Just to call out, you know, that was a good call out for you uh, in the offseason, one of our shows early on, one of our first few shows calling that out in regards to Cup. I think this is the Reggie Wayne Payton duo right here. I think they only scratching the surface. And not to veer off too much from a conversation, I was in like these uh, Twitter spaces, you know, where they have the people chatting and people was comparing Jamar Chase to Cup. And I'm like, bro, like Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase is on two different stratospheres. Like, I think. You know, obviously, we got to look at Chase as a rookie. He's only going to get better. Right. He's already – he's great. He's like D-Hop to me. Like, you know, to me, he doesn't win. Like, you know, what I like about Cup is Cup is a student of the game, bro. Like, he's a tactician. Like, he knows how to run around, how to get around this, how to – he just – he does so much more, and people give him flack for being in the slot. He can win anywhere. This motherfucker yeah. is cold, bro. I can't even call Cup the jack of all trades. Maybe the the king of all trades because he's a little bit better than the jack. And Chase and Chase is kind of like the the little joker. Like like he has that 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 one thing that you can't beat unless you're the big joker. But th- that's just one book. Cup can get you three four different ways. So exactly. I'll call him the king of all trades versus the jack of all trades. But yeah, he he can get you with his route running. He can get you with his speed. He can get you with his quickness. He can catch contested pass as well. If he has to go up for it, if he has to go down for it, whatever angle or trajectory the ball is at, he's able to catch with little to or makes it seem like there's little to no effort to get the job done. Chase, I think. He'll end up within that stratosphere, if you will. You couldn't ask him for much more in his rookie year. Because I kind of felt like the Bengals need to kind of go through that growing period, that pain, if you will, that, okay, we made it to the mountaintop, but couldn't quite get over. And we needed to kind of peek and see what greatness is like. And now we know what to go towards. If you look at everything that your Aaron Donalds of the world, your OBJs of the world, who I fully right. believe would have ended up being the MVP had he not got hurt because he right. was off. Like, I, I don't think they would have force fed it the cup had he not gotten hurt. But that's neither here nor there. That's just more to the story, more of the greatness that Sean McVay and Matt Stafford put together. Because when OBJ went down, I just knew the game was over. I didn't see them being able to kind of create another wide receiver on the fly. Van Jefferson did what he had to do. They were down to their third and fourth string tight ends. They still did what they had to do. The running game wasn't all that at all. Cincinnati definitely bottled up the run. Um, Akers, Noah Henderson. Henderson actually did better as a receiver. That was one of the pivots that was made. Henderson actually caught a couple of pivotal passes when it mattered the most. This was an awesome game. Like, like I I don't think I could have... Asked for more out of it. Vegas got what they wanted out of it. The spread was four. The game <laughs> ended up coming in at three, a uh, three-point difference. Cincinnati was able to beat the spread. So Vegas got their little shuffles out of it. And the Rams got a ring out of it. So I don't think they care about what the spread was. <laughs> so it looks like a, a whole lot of people were able to benefit 
from last evening's festivities. The halftime show was lit. Now, I might be showing my age a little bit, but hey, all of these people that were up there on that stage were from my heyday, if you will. You know, so I completely enjoy, you know, Auntie Mary up there, you know, Eminem, Snoop, Dr. Dre. You had Eminem representing for Colin Kaepernick taking the knee. I don't know if many people caught that on there or. You know, you had Dr. Dre and his defiance. Uh, Roger Goodell told him not to sing certain lyrics that had a negative verbiage pertaining to police. He still sung his he still sung his lyrics exactly the way they were written before. I mean, hell, it ain't like you're going to perform in the Super Bowl twice. And it ain't like they can fire you in the yeah. middle of the show. So fuck it. Go for it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Super Bowl just in general was one of the best shows that I've seen put together. In quite a while, but did did you like that? And oh, not not to forget Kendrick Lamar as well. So yeah, Kendrick had yeah, a nice he, one. He de- he snapped on him. I, I definitely uh enjoyed that whole show. I liked it too. You know, like you said, I think you know in the years past they were not getting it right. Going back to Jay when Jay came on, like in right. charge, like you know, you able to have this access to these to these people. Now people want to come back because for a minute people was protesting the NFL and didn't want to do. The Super Bowl show. They had to settle for Justin Timberlake. I don't even call that settle. I kind of like him. Right, but, right. Yeah. <laughs> he was like an ultimate. Yeah. As <laughs> long as Timberlake was the producer, JT is a part of the family. So that's it. <laughs> but it was a good. It was a good Super Bowl overall. I think the most controversial thing is the Higgins Ramsey, you know, face mask. That's controversial. Oh, bro, that's, that's like, big. But, but they but still won. But still, here's the thing, though. Honestly, I think that that pass interference penalty in the fourth was a makeup call because they definitely messed up not calling that face mask. That would have been seven points off the board, like possibly even more than that, because I want to say that was either wasn't that on the third down that he that he made that big catch. It was like a third and long and he ended up pulling Ramsey's face mask. Ramsey goes to the ground. Higgins scores a touchdown. If they don't score that touchdown, this game may may have never even actually looked the way it ended up looking. Yeah, bro. And that's what I'm saying, man. I think the referees have a hard job, but something like that, y'all keep changing the rules to review plays and y'all supposed to review every touchdown. Why are we not picking that up in New York? Well, because I think they can they can review touchdowns, but they can't review to add a penalty. It's only the touchdown itself that's reviewed, whether or not they, Mm -hmm. you know, cross the plane or, you know, something like that. But as far as looking at the earlier part of the play, like like, that's like saying, you know, someone scores a touchdown, you should be able to rewind the film and look for a holding call on the offensive line that happened, you know, 10 seconds into the. But before the the touchdown scored, whatever the case may be. So, but Drake up, Drake should be up based on what he betted. Drake gonna be up. Yeah, <laughs> um, he was up three hundred and forty thousand because OBJ scored the first touchdown, and then on top of that, I think he put a million on the Rams. But here's the thing, though: if he didn't do the money line, he lost that bet because Cincinnati covered. Mm. The Rams would the Rams would have had to beat Cincinnati by four points or more. If you just pick the Rams on the spread, if you pick the money line, which is just I think the Rams are going to win regardless of the spread, which doesn't have as high of a payout, then, you know, then you would have won if you just pick the Rams straight up on the money line. But if he if he picked the spread, which, again, started out at four and a half and it ended up I saw some places at three and a half and four. Were the were the two that I saw three and a half and four are pretty much the same spread um, because you can't score a half a point, obviously, in the NFL. But. That's why I said Vegas definitely got their money because even the people that were right about the Rams winning, they didn't win big enough that unless you took the money line, you still lost anyway as far as Vegas was concerned. So that was a a very, very intriguing Super Bowl that had all the storylines that you can ask for, all the drama you can ask for. Getting into (laughs) a little bit more off-season drama, and like I said, you're going to see so many changes on a lot of teams between now and 30 days from now. Prior to the league new season officially beginning, that it's probably going to make your head swim. But I promise you, we're going to make sure that we all stay up to date and we know exactly how these changes are going to affect the league. And more importantly, how these changes are going to affect fantasy football. So let's talk about a few of those changes and a few things that will remain the same as far as fantasy and as far as the NFL 
as it pertains to the personnel. So right now we are looking at Ezekiel Elliott is pretty much guaranteed to come back to the Cowboys for this coming up year, partially because the amount of cap that they would have to give up by releasing him as far as dead cap is concerned. With that being said, it's uncertain what's going to happen with Amari Cooper based on his cap number. Also looking at the fact that they have Lamb already in the fold, I think Cedric Wilson is already ready to be a more than decent wide receiver too in that offense. And I believe that they can find their slot receiver. I even saw something about Juju Smith-Schuster possibly joining the gang there, um, which that would round out their wide receiving core pretty nicely, in my opinion. What you think? I agree, man. You know, actually, when you said Juju, my eyes just lit up, and I think he'll be perfect for the slot. Like you said, with Cedric Wilson, like you said, coming on, that leaves a lot for them. We know Gallup. They can, I don't know if they can tender him. He's a free agent, I I think he's unrestricted as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a big blow losing Amari. I, I would hope. I mean, we we won't know until the league year, but I would hope they still keep him. I think it is. Hopefully, it'd be a way to you know contractually move money around to at least move back in the deal a little bit, move some of that money to the next, to 2023. This guy, like, Amari, you know, we can say what he want about being not healthy, but I think it's clutch. Like, this dude seems to go for that touchdown and get the needed receptions, the first downs, et cetera, on a routine basis. Like, when we think Lamb should make a play, it's Amari touchdown. It's Amari deep completion. You know what I mean? Like, I would find a way to keep him there, but at the same time, he's so young. Somebody going to get him in regardless. Absolutely. There, there's several players that might just be on the move or might just be talk right now to try to you know, give them some get right, if you will. A couple of quarterbacks that, you know, one is most likely to be gone and one I think is just kind of popping circumstance. Uh, but Wentz looks to be on the move from the Colts. Yeah. And Kyler Murray removed all information about the Cardinals from his social media and they removed the vast majority of the information about him from there. So I'm not sure if this is just two parties being petty or if there's a little bit of smoke, possibly fire as far as Kyler is concerned. But it is most likely that Wentz is going to be on the move. And there's several teams that may end up wanting his services, just depending on how other circumstances work out. I think the Panthers could do a whole lot worse than Wentz. I think the Buccaneers could do a whole lot worse than Wentz. The Commanders could do a whole lot worse than Wentz. Yeah, I would so love to see him do it. Broncos. I mean, there's some teams out there that, that Wentz is just above Lock and Bridgewater enough that he could be enough to get that team where they need to go, especially with the offensive weapons that the Broncos have. There's several teams that may kind of keep him in their back pocket just in case some of the larger names that may be moving in the offseason end up not moving or end up moving to a different team. Yeah, with, with uh, Wentz in particular, I kind of was uh, reading up on it that like they was going to they was looking contemplating moving him. I think for me it comes a part of the injuries, and then I think also I think it's an identity. Like when you were under, you know, when he was in the Eagles, yeah, I'm doing good. Then you think, oh, I'm going with Sirianni. It's the same offense. Mm, it sputtered a little bit, and I, I, he became a better passer. We can all attest that he became a better passer, but. He just doesn't have the clutch. And it's not a bad thing. You know, I'm not – I think he's a good quarterback. Like you say, he can help several other teams become winning programs. But I just think, you know, for me personally, I think the Colts, where they are now, they're not rebuilding. But I think if they can re-piece the offense – because the defense is great. they just been beat up on defense horribly. They have a playoff team, and they could shake up the AFC North. So Absolutely they could. Another – team that has made a definitive decision as far as quarterback is concerned josh mcdaniels has decided that he's going to keep Derek carr long term um he made that decision almost immediately (laughs) heading to las vegas he said he's he's not going to be in the business of going into the season without his quarterback confident that he's the guy. And in all honesty, that was the best decision that could have been made. I never understood why Gruden didn't like this kid so much. Even in the face of adversity and not having much around him, he was able to put up a 5,000-yard season, which is nothing to sneeze at. I almost look at this kid in the same vein as I do a Matthew Stafford. It's it's what the coach does and what the GM does around him that's going to determine his highest level of success. Um, I, I literally look at him in the exact same vein as Matthew Stafford. He can go to another team right now that's Super Bowl ready, 
and be the missing piece. He, he's not the issue. So that's going to be interesting how McDaniels chooses to use him going forward. The type of offense that they're going to use, if he brings the type of offense to this team that he used when he was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, that definitely bodes well for Hunter Renfro. Um, that also bodes well for Waller. Let's not forget, this was the guy that made Gronk's career what it was based on play calls, etc. Now, yeah. we saw how well Gronk and your Welkers or Edelmans worked together as far as PPR leagues are concerned. One didn't necessarily take from the other. Uh, both were able to, based on the amount of passes thrown, both were able to eat. So that's kind of what I'm looking to see um, in Las Vegas going forward. Plus, they do have quite a bit better of a running back than the Patriots had prior to as well. So I'm looking to see what McDaniels is going to be able to do with this offense, but he definitely has the pieces there. It's going to be a matter of getting that defense up to snuff, which they did pretty decent this year. And if they can kind of get that line taken care of in the offseason, they should be in the hunt for one of those playoff spots this year. They made the playoffs, I mean, next year. They made the playoffs this year, and they may be able to make some noise in the playoffs next year, just depending on how things go. Um, a couple other teams with some updates or some rumors out there. Uh, the Saints definitely want to hold on to Michael Thomas. They want him to be back in 2022. That's just news based on the fact that they're in a cap situation and they're essentially saying that, yes, we know we have some things we need to fix, but letting him go probably won't be the way we go about fixing. That says a lot about what's about to happen on the defensive end. That also says a lot about the money that they feel they're going to have to spend on a quarterback, maybe meaning that their quarterback is already in camp with them, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's Ian Book, whether that's Taysom Hill. I believe Winston is an unrestricted free agent, so it would be up to him whether or not he decided You know, that's what he wanted to be. But that's going to be a very interesting scenario because I believe they have the worst cap situation, if I'm not mistaken. I know they were at like $74 million over. And they're still paying Drew Brees and several other people that aren't even on the team anymore. So just because the person retires or whatever, if you kick the can down the road, you still got to deal with that salary cap situation. Yeah, man. And um, good thing with them is well, first uh, touching on Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas has been seriously rehabbing his ankle. Obviously, he missed out by not having uh, surgery sooner. But just like in that same vein as Odell, take away his injuries as far as his work ethic, no one can question the readiness and the preparation of Mike Thomas. So it's really good to hear that now he's back in New Orleans doing because he's been doing his work in New, uh, New York, from what I'm told. And now he's back in New Orleans getting the work done uh, in-house. And with the contractual space that they got, they can retain their defense and keep him. Because like I said, they got enough. Within the contracts they got, they can restructure. They got, I think they have like $128 million in contractual money that they can move around. So they got, they're going to get under the cap. I think they're the easiest. Um, the Packers probably, even though they got lesser money, are going to yeah, be The Packers are like, are like 50, 52, something like that. Right. Because of the people that they would have to let go. In this case with the Saints, it's like the Saints kind of was like, all in, just for example, like the Rams, where they brought in a whole bunch of right. people. But hey, if neg- if this doesn't work out, twenty twenty three, I'm good. My money's good. So they're gonna they, they're in a good space. I really like them keeping Mike Thomas because I don't see him playing anywhere else. But at the same time, I think Sean Payton really is what moved the moving factor in this because oh, if he's going to play gonna say, him and Sean Payton to get along all that well, and now that Payton right. is going, it's kind of his team again. Exactly, man. You had the Lions who indicate that they're likely to keep golf, which that actually makes sense for them to hold on to him for another year or two, build up everything around him, see how well he performs. And then worst case scenario, if he doesn't perform, you have a ready built situation either for a veteran quarterback that can come in and win immediately, i.e. the Rams. Or you have a situation to where a rookie quarterback can come in and instantly have success because there's certain things that that rookie doesn't have to worry about, like not having an O-line, which is what golf has to worry about, had to worry about this past year. And if they don't get it right, um, now they started to address the O-line. They definitely spent high draft capital. I can see them doing the same thing again. They're only a couple of pieces away from their passing and running game being as such that any given Sunday, they can take out anybody. And that's not what anyone has been saying about the Lions. and you know, years past. So I can see them 
if things go the right way, they could really make a power move. They can be in the same vein as the Cincinnati's of the world where you go from being an afterthought to going deep into the playoffs. Facts. And I think what people don't give him credit for, and even we're going to get to that in the dynasty moves, um, Goff had an amazing year considering what he had. We look at his wide receivers until St. Brown emerged because it took, we got to be mindful that first of Cephas had his chance, then Raymond had his chance, and then St. Brown snatched that shit from both of them and ran off the last eight games. He had mediocre wide receivers talent this year. And he still was throwing up 300 yards faithfully, still throwing up good numbers. But to your point, you can't do well without a good offensive line and a good defense. That defense was horrible. It was horrendous. It's no reason to have that type of defense on the field. And Hawkinson played through injury. After, I think he was hurt probably like the fourth or fifth game. He was out there, but he was a shell of himself, just trying to be on a, a decoy in Facts. the offense. Yeah, so, I mean, they definitely – and I actually like the head coach as well. I think he really brings out the best in that group. And they, they play for each other. They kind of, you know, keep the outside noise outside. I like the direction oh, I love him, man. that Detroit is going in right now. We also have Green Bay going all in on Aaron Rodgers. This they're indicating that they're willing to pay him up to 45 mil per year, which would make him the highest paid quarterback in the league. But all signs indicate that they'll break the bank to keep him and willing to acquiesce to whatever else they need to in order to keep him in the fold. So I don't know if that's good, bad, or indifferent as far as Green Bay and as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned. I honestly think there are a couple of teams that he can go to right now and be more successful, Uh, maybe not be quite as comfortable. Because in in these other situations, you give these people your ass to kiss and you don't have years of goodwill, if you will, that has been stored up within the city or within leadership within that particular team. And, you know, they may be willing to ship you off to the you would definitely have to have a no trade clause if you did go to another team, because if you don't win or just win as much as the person that was there previous in you, it's likely that they might, you know cash in the chips and see if they can get, you know, two or three picks in a play or something like that for you themselves. Aaron Rodgers strikes me as the diva type that continuously tells their significant other that they're going to leave and that, you know, if they don't fix this, 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 and this, but really all you're doing is you're trying to get them to say, okay, I'll fix it. You don't really actually want to go. That that, Aaron Rodgers strikes me as that type in in, in the relationship, if you will. I kind of see a slight opposite. I just think like you look at some of the elite quarterbacks, well, not even elite quarterbacks, let's focus solely on these top, these top echelons. So our breezes or Tom Brady, Tom Brady, had say with the Patriots. Was it a a long reach? No, I'm not saying that. But he influenced some of the decisions that was made to bring on players. And I think what was the pride from Rodgers is Rodgers like, hey, I'm Aaron Rodgers, but I can talk to a free agent and kind of help y'all in this recruitment process. Hey, if y'all want to draft somebody, hey, give me this guy. And that's, you know, he felt like I felt the same way too. Like he earned enough with the organization not to be a GM, but to have input during free agency and during the draft, because what you're not going to keep doing is not giving me the talent around me to be proficient, not giving me what, what I will require to take this offense to a next level. And then when we don't win four NFC championships, it falls on me like I'm the guy, like I got to play, you know, 12 other positions. So my issue with that, and let me play devil's advocate here. If you're as good as you say you are, right. if you're up there with the Brady's of the world, how long did Brady literally not have a receiver to speak of and, and still won championships? Like, like the whole point of getting a quarterback with that amount of talent is the fact that you should be able to produce on offense without having to spend all of your grocery money on that side of the field. Like the whole point of having an Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams type combination is because that should be, along with the running game, just about all you need. Everything else should be replacement players because you have your A number one guy, which that's something that Brady never really had. You have a deep running game. They've always had a running game. Mm -hmm. And you also have other guys on the offense that can produce. Are they at the top of their game? No, but they can produce. So I have to be able to spend on the defensive side because of how many points you normally put up on offense. Like how many more points do you think they can put up on average? Like, like they, they don't Aaron Rodgers may want offense because that's the side of the ball that he's on, but mm-hmm. they don't really need more offense. 
Like, like he he's already passing for X amount of yards a year, and Devontae Adams getting X amount of touchdowns and yards, et cetera, et cetera. He's been winning games, and I'm not saying he like he like he doesn't have a defense. I, I, they're mediocre, but they don't really. They just not clutch. I'm be honest. They don't get the sack. They don't get the third down, but they kind of okay. They kind of proficient a little bit as far as limiting touchdowns, just a little bit. But Tim, what I was going to say was, it was a window where I don't know if you remember this. MVS was supposed to be the next thing to fill the void between Devontae Adams and whatever. Like, he did not develop. Randall Cobb was gone. Whole draft, Justin Jefferson, uh, a whole plethora of receivers. I'm usually good at remembering who was in the draft that year. You didn't get my nigga nobody? And then, and I'm not, I agree uh, to your point. Like, but I, uh, I agree to disagree. Like, Tom Brady has been married to this offense from Charlie White to Bill O'Brien, to Josh McDaniel, he made the offense. Exactly. And Rodgers is supposed to be more talented, right? He's he's a more talented passer, a player. So going back to the point, right, about this, the offense. Tom Brady, to me, gets credit. Even though he had those three OCs and they all kind of philosophically taught the same thing, this guy brought those. He helped game plan. He helped introduce certain concepts that beneficial to him. Same thing when he went to the Bucks. Oh, this is your playbook? No, I like to run this. I like to run that. Aaron Rodgers has, with McCarthy, they didn't have the perfect relationship. McCarthy's West Coast offense worked because it worked to his skill set, not because he had a rapport with him to say, this. Oh, I like this. I like that. So he, as far as play calling and everything, yeah, he checked out a certain thing because that's what, you know, he did his adjustments, what he's supposed to do. But he hasn't had that freedom to roam like that. Even in Matt Mufford offense, the first year in there, we like, they running the fuck? He just dude, he can bomb it. This year they finally let him bomb it. But you know, it, what I'm, I get what you're saying. I'm not. I, he is a talented passer, but I really think it was diminished because they didn't keep putting the right pieces around him. Not just offensively, but defensively. Like, yeah, you got the Smith brothers. Okay, you got Marcellus this year. Great. Kenny Clark was hurt, and it's like, boom, they defense is shit. One little piece, then they defense is shit. Nah, you got to remember, Jair Alexander, one of the premier corners in the league, was out for a good bit of the year. Yeah. That's when the defense really fell off. He's back for the playoffs, though. But but here's the thing about that, though, and I'm glad you bring up that playoff game. They held the 49ers to 14 points. What else you want from a defense in today's age? Aaron Rodgers seems to get more benefit of said doubt and more excuses thrown his way for him than any other like with Aaron Rodgers because of the talent that we know is there it's like it can't be his fault it got to be somebody else's fault when we come up with a whole bunch of excuses when honestly we can say that his cupboard is bare if we want to but he's had a lot more to work with than several other quarterbacks that we've given a lot less slack that's all I'm saying no 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 and I agree yo and to that extent I definitely agree from from that standpoint I feel like their relationship should have ended two years ago. Like, that's my whole thing. I think this wouldn't have blown up if two years ago he like, no, nah, I'm good. Deuces. And I think it just perpetuated over and over and became more and more something else. Because I think what he does differently than most quarterbacks is that Aaron Rodgers is going to speak his mind. Like, and I, and like, to your point, like you said, we've seen people win with less. But in his case, like, you know what I mean? I'm quite sure the competitor he is, all these NFC championships, like, he is getting agitated. Like, like you know what I mean? Aaron Rodgers can, can only be great on the field so many times. And it's like we go, it's like we can only pick and choose when somebody show up. Like the defense, oh, they showed up to the 49ers. What the fuck he was doing during the regular season, you know, when this motherfucker was bombing? Like, it's like Aaron Rodgers, it's not saying like I don't give him any slack. Cause I think, like I said, this relationship between him and the organization is two years toxic. Like you said, it's just like the, the wife analogy used in the beginning. They should have been broke up. These motherfuckers <laughs> got a divorce already. And I feel like if they don't get a divorce now, Aaron Rodgers need to shut the fuck up. He come back. Right. And you. that's how I feel. Like if you come back, I don't want to hear no shit about nothing. That's right. You knew exactly, you know, what you were getting into. You knew exactly what they had. You knew exactly how much the cap is, what their draft picks look like. That's right. Sit there and, and, and stew in it. Like, I, I don't want to hear no crap about the coaches, the GM, none of that. You mm-hmm. you revamped your contract to be able to leave. And if at this point you don't, then that's all on you, buddy. I, I mean, and you know what? You know what? I can't say that. And the reason I say I can't say that is because they can choose to 
not trade him this offseason and he played mm -hmm. the rest of this year and then he becomes a free agent. So if yeah. that plays itself out and he still has issues going into the year, then I can see that because in his mind, he's already going come free agency anyway. Outside of that, if you sign for this $45 million, don't complain about you, you, you're the highest man. paid quarterback <laughs> in the league. Don't complain about what teammates you can't have now that you done took up $45 million of the cap space. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to hear nothing about what, what Green Bay don't have when you just took up that much money, knowing that y'all were already in a cap situation. So that was going to cause you to have to cut several people. So don't, 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 I, all I'm saying is don't, don't throw the rock and then hide your hand. If, if, if the money is what you want and you want to be able to, you know, make decisions in this, that, the third, they let you pick uh, Cobb to come back. Cobb ain't do right. shit all year. You barely throw in the ball. Congratulations. That's why you're not a GM. Like, like it's certain things. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro. It's just certain things. I, I don't want to hear nobody crying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> so we have the, and this is, again, this is just rumors, but this is a little bit of smoke. I, I don't see the fire yet, but NFL insiders believe that Tom Brady is going to return to football around July, August. They're, they're saying that this is just a way for him to attempt to not think about football for one offseason after 21, 21, 22 years, something like that. And he's going to return. I don't know what I believe really? as far as this situation is concerned because Tom Brady loves the game like no other. He loves the nitty gritty of the game that most people hate. He loves the meetings. He loves the film watching. He loves the idiosyncrasies of the game that most people try to get away from and just want to go out there and play. And stuff like that. For that reason, how do I say? So I'm prior military, right? And I saw it all the time. Happy families, happy life. As long as mom or dad was out there on that water for six months out of the year. When mom was home and it was okay. I'm still the man of the house. I'm still the woman of the house, et cetera. And now we have all these extra rules and shit that we didn't have for six months out of the year. And we have all these, it's just certain things that you don't consider that in your mind's eye is just this perfect little scenario and relationship until you're together every day, all day. Mm -hmm. It just hits a little different. Like he's used to nine months out of the year. Hey, babe. Hey, kids, love y'all. Give me a hug. What you want for your birthday? What you want for Christmas? What you want? And, and, and working. Like, like, that's what a lot of dads do, depending on a lot of moms as well, depending on their jobs, right? Right. When that job situation changes and now every day you, you in that person's space, it's a little different, like like the the relationship the itself, the the relationship with the kids, like it's just different. Like in any military families out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just a little different. Not right, not wrong, not you know. It just is what it is. And I think that that cadence that they're used to of when they're able to have certain freedoms, certain amount of space, certain autonomy to make decisions in a certain manner without having to consult. And they're just a certain level of trust that, hey, if you picked it, I assume it's right because you do everything else about right. So or, or maybe it's the other side of the track record. Every time I leave, you mess some shit up. I don't know. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's going to kind of throw off their cadence. And they may be getting a little tired of each other and like, eh, we, we, we can we can deal with you doing what you do for another year or two. I'm <laughs> 45, 46. Like it can really go down that easily, but Tom just don't feel like he's okay with his decision. And, and from what I see. Yeah. And you know what? I think another thing too, is just his regimen, what he does at the TB 12 up there is one of those things where you don't wait to the summer to get going. Like this dude by, I'm quite sure by March is out there doing what he needs to do. Similar to Drew Brees, Drew Brees, two weeks after freaking season he already back at it it's i think it's a similar thing with tom brady and not just that i just think if the buccaneers have a good secondary they beat the rams yeah like period and i just think you know like it to me like 
maybe because you know you follow Tom Brady. That's your your guy. But me, me as a like, I love Brady, man. He's like the white mamba to me. Like being real talk, like this nigga's a, right. He's right. a competitor. Like he's everything you would want in a quarterback. And for him to come back down twenty seven, yeah. He still won another Super Bowl after that, but that game is what solidified his status as the GOAT to me. Like that's 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 give me chills, bro. Like we talking about no no Godwin, no Antonio. Gronk was irrelevant for most of the game. And then, you know, Johnson couldn't catch no passes. And this nigga still found a way. I just I, I don't I don't know how he would because I think of him as like Michael Jordan, White, you know, Kobe. I just don't know how that would sit on him. In the off season, that he lost that way, and that's and not one of, like, like yeah. it's different if you no longer have the capability. He he had an MVP type season this year, so we know he got years left in him. He hasn't even declined. Think about that for a second. This man put up the most yards in the last ten years of his career last year. That's crazy. Like, like, like that may be the reason why he ultimately decides to come back because he obviously still has something left in the tank. Now, the rules over the years have helped him out. You can't hit him the way a lot of quarterbacks in years past were getting hit. So kudos to the NFL. You figured out a way to keep guys that are most important to your league around longer. That makes all the sense in the world to me. The, the game didn't get any more from people getting hurt and carted off every week. And now you having to play with replacement players. I mean, that that just that made sense to me. Like, why would you not want to protect your asset, your biggest assets, which is your best quarterback? So I think for the Buccaneers, it's really on their offseason. If they hit on the right pieces, and we don't know what those right pieces are at the time, but I'm quite sure it's going to be a fucking receiver. If they can hit on those pieces, it might entice them a bit. And they could already have the receivers in-house. They just haven't had the opportunity to showcase their talent yet. But based yeah. on who the starters are. So, you know, That's who knows? The, those young guys had to have picked up something when you had three Hall of Fame wide receivers ahead of you. <laughs> Think about it. Antonio Brown is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Evans is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. And as long as Godwin continues down his current trajectory, he's going to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. If you didn't learn anything in three different styles of receiving, so if you didn't learn anything behind those guys, then, you know, you don't deserve to be in the game. So I look at it. Mm-hmm. Just me. With that being said, we are now going to transition into the last part of the show, which is the Tales from a Dynasty part of the show. So we're going to get into a few of the trades that took place, how we feel about them, if we would do them, if we had it to do over again, and things to look for when identifying your trade partners and the perfect setup as far as a trade is concerned. So let's hop right into that. And that tells from a dynasty. We have several trades. This is a very active league, y'all. So yeah, this um, started, got, got started booming recently. Oh man, like if if you have in, in dynasty, it's imperative that you have people that are active in the league because other than that, it's essentially just redraft that's open to you making moves on the waiver in the offseason, which is not what Dynasty is supposed to feel like, at least in my humble estimation. If that works for, you know, the group that you're in and you guys don't really want to do very much in the offseason, hey, that works for you. But for me, if it's not active, I'm I'm not going to be in the Dynasty. Um, <laughs> this is definitely a very active Dynasty. We had several trades that went down. We're going to discuss those trades. We're going to discuss the logic in a couple of cases where there wasn't very much logic. And it was just a a deal that went right for one party. But we'll kind of see if we can attempt to see where the other person came from and go from there. So the first trade that went down in the week, it was actually with me and another party. I got Christian McCaffrey. And I sent this person Diggs, Gibson, and a 2023 first-round pick. Now, I'll tell you off top, I think I paid too much. However, based on my team setup, if McCaffrey is anywhere close to healthy, even if he's not 100%, but he can just make it through the majority of the games, I think that will put me in pole position to finish out this dynasty and have a three-peat, which... At the start of the dynasty, 
Uh, one of the rules were if anyone has three championships that we will redraft that following year. So I am trying to pull off a three-peat going from year one to year three. And I felt Christian McCaffrey could be the finishing piece there. Gibson, I think Gibson is a guy that if you can get him right now on the low, you go ahead and you attempt to do that. I think the the arrow's pointing up for him. 2023 doesn't matter for me because I plan on the dynasty being over by 2023. And Diggs, I believe, is going to now be in a 1A, 1B situation. Um, And the reason I say that is because he isn't the only target anymore. Gabriel Davis is about to make a come up. Dawson Knox um, actually made a come up already uh, at that tight end position. And the fact that they actually run the ball between their running backs and their quarterbacks quite a bit. The receivers that I currently have, it made Diggs expendable. So it was a, a go for the gusto type of a move in that particular situation. So again, that was giving up Diggs, Gibson in the 2023 first to receive Christian McCaffrey. So this was just a chess piece. Like you said, you're just going for the three-peat. So I understood it a lot. What he did with that stimulus, because that's what we call it in our group. When <laughs> generous enough to give out these oh, we'll get to that. Um, What he did afterwards with that was horrible. But <laughs> I understood the logic. Now. Like, you, like you said, like with the, the talent you assembled on your team, like this, you know, I think because – let me go back. Because McCaffrey had this in his injury early on, a lot of people are going to shy away from C-Mac, but you also have to remember this guy's work ethic. I think that thing, like, we all know injuries are going to happen, but I'd rather take my chances on uh, C- uh, McCaffrey work ethic than anybody in the league because that dude's a dog, man. So, like you said, if you can get any – And he's only get, 25, so, I mean – If you get 70% McCaffrey, that's no better than a starting running back in the NFL. Right? Yep. 70%. So I understood that one. So I, I want I definitely want to keep that one short because that was that was a, a good move. So we had two parties in which the uh, a player that was traded last week was traded again. Oh now in this trade, one party received Josh Jacobs, a 2022 first the uh, first overall pick, so 101, mm-hmm. and a 2022 first round with the 11th pick, and he sent Waddle. And number seven. Now, because because of the way person A is setting up their their squad, I can actually see this making sense. And the reason for that is now that person has like four or five picks in the first round and they were attempting to rebuild anyway. And then what they did with those picks later on actually made it make even more sense because he had to get picked. 101 in order to pull off the trade later on that really set up his team for success going forward. So again, that was um, that was uh, Jacobs. Matter of fact, I'll just tell you the team name so it'll make it that much easier to keep up with because you won't know who they actually right. are. Anyway. So, so right. we had the Joker who got Josh Jacobs pick 101 and pick 111, and OJ Wells got Waddle Jalen Waddle. And pick 107. Now, how did you feel about this trade before, prior to what he did with it? Right. So we're going to get, I'm glad we got a chance to get into it because when I looked at this, I'm like, this don't make no sense. Because at that time, uh, he had no wide receiver. He had nothing. I'm like, you overspent. That's the first thing I thought. I wasn't seeing what he was doing, but for him to be able to pull that off, <laughs> it, it, look, and that's the thing, y'all. In Dynasty, run your team the way you want to run it. It's almost like chess. You can't just be looking at your current move. You have to be looking at what moves ahead. And you already have to have had conversations that kind of let you know what a person is willing to do for certain items. And then you do what you got to do to go get those items to be able to fulfill the trades that you might want to do in the future. That's how I look at Dynasty. It's a little bit more involved. You have a little bit more time to piece together these things and redraft you might get stuck holding the bag things never come to fruition but the reason why we're saying that'll kind of come to the forefront in just a couple seconds here so the next trade that went down this one was 
a little, I, I would say it wasn't anything of major consequence, right? So you had L. Mack, he received Jared Goff, and to get Jared Goff, and this is a uh, super flex league, so quarterbacks are somewhat hard to come by. There are none, obviously, on the waivers mm-hmm. at all. Um, but he gave up Mike Evans, a 2022 second round pick, pick number 11, and 2022 second round pick, pick six. Mm-hmm. I think that was fair compensation on both sides based on what quarterbacks go for in this league. The the second round picks don't really move me one way or the other, just in general. I can't think of a wide receiver lower than Evans that I would have taken to give up a quarterback. Yeah, bro. That, I think, honestly, like you said, when, once you said that last part, that's when I'm like, you take the picks out of it. I think this is good value. And or maybe it's also too Especially not even know who that quarterback's going to be. Yeah, like well, like I was saying earlier, big on Kirk Cousins, it was like, dude, you just everything fell into place. And right now, like with golf, it, golf, like you can't look at golf season like, oh my God, golf for trash. Golf was actually phenomenal for what he had in the kitchen. He did even better than what he had with the Rams. Believe it or not, like if you look at the, like if you look at what he had this year, he did just as good as some of his years, maybe even his Super Bowl year with the freaking Rams. That says a lot with the, how poorly the Rams play. I mean the Lions played this year. I think it's nothing but upside now that you have a full year with St. Brown. DeAndre is banged up tremendously. And good thing he gets to rest early. Hawkinson, another player playing through injury all year, come back healthy. It's like you getting, to me, you getting maybe somebody can finish in the top 10 for nothing. Whereas Mike Evans, I'm not saying he's going to regress. But I do feel like if Tom Brady don't come back, he's going to end up a thousand yards, but I don't know about his touchdowns. I can see that too. That's he got good value for that trade, so I like that trade. Now, this next trade, this is what kind of put into position the I would say ultimate trade that put this guy back in the in the running. So and, and if you recall from last week's episode, the Joker was the team that I traded with to get Cooper Cup. Mm. So remember, I traded it was pick 107, Waddle. And Myers for Cup was that trade. So he's pulling together pieces and then using those pieces to initiate other trades, right? So same guy again, the Joker. Um, he received Robert Woods, Tua Tungavaloa, Chris Evans, the rookie running back from Cincinnati, the 202 and the 102. So now he has the 101 and the 102. He got rid of Brandon Cooks, Austin Eckler, Trevor Lawrence and Davis Mills to facilitate this trade. So let me repeat that. He receives Robert Woods, Tua Tonga Valova, Chris Evans, 22-202, and 2022-102 for Brandon Cooks, Austin Eckler, Trevor Lawrence, and Davis Mills. When I saw this trade initially, I I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know how to calculate it in my own mind's eye just yet. But Looking at the pick compensation, if I was going to get the 102 and the 202, so the second pick of the first round and the second pick of the first of the second round as well, I would think I would have to give up Cooks and Eckler minimally to get those two picks. Would you agree? I can agree with that. Yeah, definitely. So then it makes it Robert Woods, Tua Tungvaloa, and Chris Evans for Trevor Lawrence and Davis Mills. And with this one, Woods and Tua, I think on a wide receiver needy team, does kind of equal out Trevor Lawrence. And the reason I say that is looking at what Lawrence was able to produce versus what we thought he was going to do, unless you're still wearing rose-colored glasses and you think that he could still become one of the greatest. And he's he's going into year two, and his, and his coaching situation was an arbitrage. So I'm not saying that he isn't going to make a come-up the way most quarterbacks do in year two, year three. Just looking at the pieces involved here, I can see how this trade in its totality ended up being fair compensation on both sides and also based on what the Joker was going to do next now that he had the 101, the 102, and several other picks and Tua as essentially his backup QB. So with this one, I actually liked it. At first, like I'm like, this is where I'm like, okay, maybe I should apologize for like like ragging him a little bit in the group because now I'm seeing like 
this starting to make sense. Me personally, I'm big on Lawrence. Peterson is great with quarterbacks. We already know that because of his time with the Eagles. But not just that, they just brought in a QB coach. Um, what's my dude? Cooter, and then they brought in somebody else. But that's that's another topic. I know I'm probably gonna talk about him again. But nonetheless, finally Lawrence has people so he can progress. He has three hall. I can't say hall of fame. But there are people who are renowned for working with quarterbacks. We know we've seen them in the league, especially with Cooter and, and Peterson, the head coach. So I'm like, dang, you giving up a, a part that could really take the turn. Because we all got to remember, Peyton had a horrendous first season. And if we're going to give him the quote-unquote comparison as far as like yeah. how his year could turn around, he's in good position to have a phenomenal year. But I do like the upside of, hey, now I got the 102 pick. And I didn't expect what was coming next. <laughs> right. So now so, I'm like, oh, shit. All of these moves culminated in this final move that we'll talk about as we close out. <laughs> Same team, the Joker, ends up doing a trade with Darnell J. And in this trade, he receives, the Joker receives Patrick Mahomes, and he sends Justin Fields and pick 101. So now this team in its rebuild ended up getting Patrick Mahomes as well as Josh Jacobs, Robert Woods. As far as picks are concerned, he has picks 102, 111, 202, 209. Several people on the bench. So he was able to kind of revamp his team on the fly. And it was because he was communicating with everyone to verify what it was they wanted for what he needed on their team. And then he made trades to facilitate that. The current move may not be close to what you think your finishing product is going to look like, but it may be necessary in order to get there. He knew what his ultimate target being Patrick Mahomes. He knew that he had to get pick one on one in order to be able to facilitate that trade. So everything else that he did was to be able to stockpile up enough capital to get pick one on one while at the same time not giving up all of his draft compensation to still be able to assist in his rebuild. Now, if I were him, I'd take that pick two, maybe trade pick two to someone that has uh, multiple first round picks. Like maybe a, maybe someone has pick four and nine or, or pick three and seven. I mean, however that may work out, you kind of got to look around your league and see who has what, but I might be willing to give up that pick two for a couple of picks just because of how deep, this particular draft is in the wide receiver spot and you've already filled the most difficult spot, which is quarterback. So now that you have Patrick Mahomes to a tongue of a lower, you essentially just need a third, maybe fourth quarterback that you'll be able to get once uh trade season opens up when a whole bunch of people have a whole bunch of draft picks and they realize that they got to get rid of somebody anyway. So I believe that although it was a unorthodox way of going about doing it, he was able to revamp his team and get exactly what he wants in a rebuild and solidified a couple of spots. Josh Jacobs is a really young, really talented running back. He has a couple of really young, really talented wide receivers and draft capital. So if the draft goes right, man, he's he's sitting right where he needs to be. And I'm I gotta see now that I'm glad we had this show to kind of review it. I like I gotta give him respect because I was just, I wasn't seeing it. I'm like, wait, the math ain't mathing right now. What the hell he's trying to do? But like you said, I think it puts him in a good per- predicament to definitely become a playoff team. But he has he's in a situation because one of the trades we haven't spoken for that you have to hit the draft and you have to come out of it with some type of uh, running back. And it might not be a starting running back, but you, he has to fill the running back void, but he's well on his path. But to your point, like, that's why I like negotiating. Like you said, he found out what he wanted, one person wanted, he went and talked to that person. He, he kept moving. He kept playing chess. Like you were saying, and that's why I love, I love the trade. You know, we both love the trade. I think Absolutely. The audience <laughs> going to find out how much we like the trade um, during the off season. But yeah, I, I loved how he did that. Come on with Patrick Mahomes, and now you still got the number two pick in the draft. Like, come on, bro. And it's just like recycling. Like, Justin Fields might be good, but you can go, you know, at the pick number two, you know, if Pickett might go the first quarterback, okay, Ritter is still there. You know, yep. like if that's that's who you value. Or Malik Willis might be still there if he hop over Ritter. So it's like. I mean, if and think about it. Malik Willis and Justin Fields are two peas in the same pod as far as fantasy is going to be concerned, in my humble opinion. Just depending on what team Willis may go to. But uh, based on what we've seen in recent years from that type of QB, even if he isn't necessarily the best passer of the ball, fantasy-wise, they're going to be about you know the same. So if you can get that, 
and you facilitated a way to get Patrick Mahomes, you can piece together the rest. I mean, you have, I mean, you got Jacobs as your number one at running back. You have Woods probably as your number one wide receiver, but in a very deep wide receiver draft, and you have plenty of draft capital to kind of do what you need to do there. So a couple of the trades and then looking at what people are going to drop to be able to facilitate their rookie accommodations. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some jewels out there that, that people just can't keep on their team. And they're going to end up dropping the wrong vet for the wrong rookie. And next oh, thing you yes. know, man, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be real close. That's all I'm saying. But oh, with yeah. that being said, that pretty much wraps up this week's episode. Again, if you're looking to get in contact with us to join us on the social sites, Facebook by far is our most popular group. You can reach us on Facebook, the Fantasy Football Fiend Family. Facebook group, Fantasy Football Fiend Family. That's F-E-I-N, Fantasy Football Fiend Family. Facebook group on Instagram, it's Fantasy Football Fiend. And on Twitter, it's at Fantasy underscore Fiend. With that, we out.